Wolf and Luke. Who are you? Uh, okay, then. Ron Wolfley. Ron Wolfley. What is up? <laughs> Witch Buster. Extraordinaire. Love that guy. Luke Lipinski. Yay. Wolf and Luke. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Live from the Auction Community Studios on this Monday morning, it is the Wolf and Luke Show, the Monday morning after football season ends. I'm Luke. Wolf, what's going on? Well, you just said it right there, honestly. The blood sport has come to a conclusion, ladies and gentlemen. The football season is over. I know there's a lot of people out there right now. Well, not a lot, maybe, but there are many people out there right now that are listening, that are applauding, standing and applauding right now, because now all of a sudden life gets back to normal when the football season is over. And I can tell you right now, for me personally, of course, it's six months of seven days a week for the most part. And now it comes to a screeching halt. It's always a weird day in the Wolf League compound. Yeah, it's you just said it right there. If you work in football, you hit this day and you're like, I just need to breathe for a few days, right? But I don't think we need to breathe for like six months. <laughs> like now we got to wait all the way till August for any real football. I mean, we got the draft and everything coming up here in, in just a couple months. But um, what a game yesterday, and what a what a weird game because I spent most of the first three quarters thinking, how are the Chiefs still in this game? And then they won the Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> Well, first of all, we all thought it was going to be a close game, right? Yes. We all did. This was it. We got it, ladies and gentlemen. We got it. But there was a moment in the second quarter where I was like, I don't know if this is going to be as close as we all thought. <laughs> I was with you on that, too. I'm yeah. thinking, oh, my goodness, this is going to be kind of a runaway right here. This is looking like the, the Eagles are all that in a bag of chips. And guess what? Something, something wicked this way came. And it was Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. They beat... The Philadelphia Eagles, ladies and gentlemen, Ron Wolfley reporting, and I would I would imagine the Eagles. Of course, they were they were up to the task. They were ready for this. It was a great game, but ultimately, in the end, the Kansas City Chiefs made the plays that the Philadelphia Eagles did not, and we had a contested fourth quarter. Man, you know I was saying that going into it. It was like, okay, please, just let this be a good game. That is what I wanted more than anything else. Give me that contested fourth quarter, man. And we got it. 27-21 going in to that quarter. And it was a ball game, and it was competitive. We got it, man. Super Bowl 57. What a great game that is. Yeah, uh, the Chiefs end up winning it by three, of course. There was moments in the second quarter like we were just alluding to, we were like, all right, it's 24-14 Philadelphia. Mahomes looks like he re-injured the ankle. And one of Kansas City's two touchdowns was Jalen Hurts just inexplicably dropping the ball and it getting picked up and ran. So like, you could look at it and be like, the other part that was at play in the first half was like, the Chiefs haven't even had the ball. <laughs> like Philadelphia Incredible. seems to be scoring at will and eating up the entire game. But the second Mahomes was back out there and whenever he had the ball, he was able to march the Chiefs right down the field consistently against that Eagles defense. I heard a stat on Saturday and <laughs> I don't know if this came into play or not, but it was it was all the quarterbacks the Eagles had played like over the last three months because you and I talked about this last week, and we both picked the Eagles. Yeah. We were both. We had the conversation of like, 
Does it matter, though, that the, the Eagles are going from playing literally no quarterback in their last game to playing Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl? That's so extreme. And I don't have the exact stat in front of me, but it was a list of all the quarterbacks the Eagles had played. I can kind of piece it together. I mean, since they, they, they played Aaron Rodgers on November 27th and gave up 33 points in that game, but for the most part, it was just backup quarterbacks or bad quarterbacks, essentially since, like, October. And I'm not saying that to diminish what they did defensively, but there's just such a shock from not playing a good quarterback to playing Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl. And it showed, to be honest. They never stopped him. Yeah, you know, um, not in that second half, they didn't. And to me, the quarterback play in this game is something that made it special as well. Think about this. Two MVP caliber quarterbacks. Did either quarterback have a bad game? No, no. I, I found, <laughs> no. found it funny that Jalen Hurts was taking blame after the game. He accounted for four touchdowns. He had one horrible play. Think granted, about that. But he accounted for 374 yards and four touchdowns. He was fine. Oh my goodness, Jalen Hurts, you are a stud. You are a stud. Yeah, you made a a gaffe. There's no doubt about it. He's a human being. He's capable, as we all are capable, of messing something up. But having said that, he played exceptionally well. And both these quarterbacks did. They had a combined quarterback rating average of (laughs) 117.6. Think about that for a minute. That just was flat out awesome. Did not throw a pick in the game. Had schematic drama on the field there there was evidence of some great coaching that was going on isn't that right Andy Reid Eric Bieniemy we'll get into that Boy. in more detail couple of those plays, a couple of those touchdowns. You're like, does Philadelphia only have like eight guys on the field on defense? What's going on? It was, we had some big plays and some little plays that actually made a difference. We had controversial call, isn't that right, James Bradbury? Oof. Yeah, we'll get into that too. Uh, this is Jalen Hurts Man. after the game. Oh, you, you, either, uh, you either win or you learn. That's how I feel. You either win or you learn. So, you know, as always, uh, win, lose, or draw. I always reflect on the things that I could have done better, uh, things we could have done better to try and take um, take that next step, and yeah, that'll that'll be the same process that goes on now. Couple things. Go ahead, Wolf. Yeah, I was just going to say, and although I know what Jalen Hurts is saying there, you either win or you learn. No, no, no you don't, man. You you always are about learning, Jalen. You're always about learning. And then you followed it up later after you said that twice. You either win or you learn. You followed it up by actually explaining. No, you know what? Win, lose, or draw. For the most part, you're going to. That's what you should be doing. Learning in everything. Can you actually? Can you actually learn more? Through defeat? Yeah, I think you can. I think you can, personally and professionally. I think you can actually learn more in a defeat. Um, But I don't like that. You either win or you learn. (laughs) No. Hopefully you're always learning. Well, I liked, and we'll get to Mahomes in a second. I mean, he was... I think when all is said and done, Patrick Mahomes is going to be the best quarterback of all time. He's not going to have the rings that Brady has, but that's a whole different conversation. But uh, but Jalen Hurts, I was really impressed with yesterday because he hung with Mahomes. He was not rattled at all by the moment. I know he had that bad fumble, um, 
you know, stuff happens. But he immediately, and they made a point of showing this, gathered his offensive lineup on the sidelines. You see that after he fumbled and was like, look, I messed this up. And then proceeded to come out and move him right down the field again. Like, it's not like he fumbled at the end of the game and Kansas City picked it up and ran it back for a touchdown and won. It was a bad play, but it was in the second quarter and he proceeded to play like a machine after that too. So I was impressed by the fact that if there was any sort of question, hey, is one of these quarterbacks going to be kind of overwhelmed by the moment? Well, it wasn't going to be Mahomes. He's already been to two of these before. So it would have been Jalen Hurts. I don't think he was at all. He had one bad play, and other than that, a pretty great game. Fantastic game. I mean, honestly, right now, I am such a Jalen Hurts fan just watching this young guy develop this entire season. And you have to remember, Basinonians, I was the guy throwing stones at Jalen Hurts, metaphorically speaking, of course, because I was just waiting for, okay, this is going to be the game. This is going to be the game. This is this is the game where the wheels fall off for Jalen Hurts. This is where he, he finally looks around and says, this is the NFC Championship game. Okay, and I know the quarterback situation for the for the 49ers it was kind of messed up there but still this it never happened with Jalen Hurts that is man you talk about being an Eagles fan right now rejoice because you got yourself one hack of a quarterback the Eagles losing the Super Bowl yesterday that wasn't because of Jalen Hurts that was not because of Jalen Hurts Jalen Hurts had an incredible, incredible game right there. It was the Chiefs offense that needed to be almost perfect in the second half. And guess what? They were. Yeah, I don't know that Philadelphia loses to any other team yesterday, <laughs> honestly. Um, and if I told you before the game, hey, Patrick Mahomes is going to re-injure the ankle. There's no way you would have believed. But he's also going to rush for 44 yards. The Eagles, the Eagles, that defensive line and linebackers couldn't come up with one sack of an injured Patrick Mahomes. And, and like you just said, that's not a knock on the Eagles. Mahomes is just otherworldly, man. Like he just is. And yesterday was a reminder because people all season were like, oh, yeah, but Mahomes shouldn't win MVP. It should be Hurts. Or, oh, you know, Burrow's starting to close the gap, right? Or at the start of the season, it's Allen and Mahomes. Right? It's Mahomes, and then there's a gap. And then there's probably Burrow and Hurts, honestly. And then, you know, right there is Josh Allen, too. Think about this Chiefs offense that really tore it up in the second half specifically. But they scored 31 points overall against that defense. 31 points. They got the pick six, of course, because of Bolton. But they scored 31 points against that defense. They didn't turn it over once. Not once. They didn't allow the best pass rush in the league to get a sack on their quarterback. Now, the Chiefs are really, really good, especially Pat Mahomes, in getting the ball out, but still did not allow a sack against that team. And they scored on every drive in the second half. <laughs> they punted twice for the whole game. Okay. The Chiefs. They punted twice for the whole Chiefs. game. All right, we come back. What did Lorenzo Alexander think about that holding call on third down? In Super Bowl 57 yesterday. We're going to ask the 15-year NFL vet next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke Middays, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. All right, welcome back to the show on this Monday morning, day after the Super Bowl. Well, if I told you, I already called my uh, dentist earlier today because I had to set something up. Yeah. They're off in observance of the Super Bowl yesterday. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? 
I respect that. I really I got do. A, I got a good buddy of mine who says that, you know what, we we should have it. It should be a national holiday the day after the Super Bowl. <laughs> Maybe we're heading that way. Uh, joining us right now on the Arizona Sports Line, Lorenzo Alexander. He's on the show uh, every week, at least, at least on Thursdays. And we're fortunate enough to talk to him now right after the Super Bowl. Zoe, how's it going? I'm doing great, fellas. It was a long week. Started back Monday, uh, obviously with in conjunction with uh, the Open and a ton of events, catching up with guys, and it was capped <laughs> off with the Super Bowl last night. So actually, I'm kind of taking the day off, too. I got my workout in, but me and my wife about to head over to the sanctuary and do a little bit of a spa day to get our stuff back together. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Man, I Made love it. I, you know, I was thinking about you. You With all of just how popular you are with this Super Bowl being here, I thought, man, he must be exhausted at this point oh, yeah. in time. But you're going to be good oh, yeah. to go on Wednesday night, right, Zoe? <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm good to go. Yeah, I'm, I'm getting I'm getting my kick cup filled back up, and I'll be ready to go over and uh, talk to the group of men. So I'm looking forward to that as well. But it was a great it was a great week, great Super Bowl. I thought this one, I, you know, I thought you know Michael and and just the whole Super Bowl committee and the NFL did a great job. I've been to. Numerous cities, you know, I've been to Atlanta, I've been to Miami, I've been to uh, Minnesota, um, this one last time, San Francisco, so I've been to a ton of them, and I actually thought this was probably the best one I've ever been to, probably for a couple of reasons, I mean, I think the city is spread out enough, but not too spread out, like a Dallas, where it takes you an hour to get to each city, mm-hmm. but you think about Tempe, Old Town, Downtown, Glendale, it's about 20 minutes, 25 minutes, depending on where you're at, and the traffic was great, um, you know, the, the venues, uh, the open, um, I think the stadium set up, getting in was great, getting out, obviously the game, the fans, Philly, uh, they, it's crazy. They bring the energy. I know they get a, they, they are ruthless. They boo Dak. I'll give them that. They are ruthless, but, uh, it, they're a great, uh, fun bunch of people, uh, to be around actually watching a football game. And it was just a great time. And, 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 and Wolf, why don't they, I, I know you've probably been in the stadium when they do maybe a playoff or a national championship game, but the way they had it set up, like with the at the end zone where the big red end zone normally is, with yeah. like the, the the built in suite, and then uh, the stadium seating, they should do that for every single game. I thought that was a great addition to the the atmosphere of the stadium. You're talking about the south end zone and what they do yeah, with the player with the yeah. players the call side where they go in and come in and out of that, yeah. that side. I, that should be like that every week. I thought that was an awesome addition. Just gave it a different vibe in the stadium instead of having like this big kind of almost nothing there uh, feel to it. It really filled in the stadium and, and gave it, I think, an additional ambiance environment that it traditionally doesn't have. That is awesome, Zoe. You need to give them a call because you got a lot more clout than I do. Okay? Yeah, I did. I did hit them up. Oh, I did hit them up. Awesome. Like, I said, hey, y'all need to do it like this every week, man. I don't know what y'all doing. Do this like every week. Okay, so, so <laughs> let's talk a little bit about Super Bowl 57 specifically. When I, when I say that game, what what is the first thing that comes to mind to Lorenzo Alexander? Uh, physicality by the yeah. Kansas City Chiefs defense. Did you see my man Nick Bolton running around? I saw Nick Bolton knocking guys yeah, out, man. man. He was everywhere, everywhere. Almost did. You know, I actually had a chance to train him at EXO, so he, I, he's under my tutelage too a little bit. But uh, the guy is a beast. I mean, he was sideline to sideline. I think he really set the tempo. The first couple of plays, they really set the tone uh, from a physical standpoint, and I think they, um, you know, really they didn't match. Uh, the Eagles. I think they set the tone in a lot of ways. It was a great physical game, back and forth in that regard. Um, you know, we, we saw uh, what was it? Uh, Pacheco at the end get get tagged, and he got right back up, and it knocked off a twenty yard run after sitting out of play. 
So the game was great. I mean, going back and forth. And then Andy Reid, this was one of the things I was worried about. He is, his first 15 is ridiculous as far as getting that, that the, uh, the Eagles defensive line running side to side with all the eye candy, jet motion, uh, counters, boots, whatever he had. And then, like, the fake jet motion that they ran twice at the end of the game to build off of that oh, yeah. for two touchdowns, right? Yes. It's just a, it's a masterpiece, yes. right? We talk about creating an offense that's going to dictate and build, and you're creating this pitcher, and it's kind of upside down. You don't know quite what it is. And then at the fourth quarter, you, they flip it over, and you're like, dang, that's what you were doing the whole game? <laughs> that, that's what Andy that's what Andy Reid does, right? And I think that's something that we're looking forward to, obviously, whoever they get at head coach here to bring it back home that they're able to do with Kyler, but that was a cool thing to watch um, going back and forth. And then, obviously, um, uh, Patty Mahomes, uh, yeah. just, just, just a, a leader, a dog, getting up. You know, he was hurting. Uh, everybody saw it, yeah. but gathered himself and came out there and closed the game out. You know, I, you know me. It's all about the player for me, for the most part. Players yep. win games. Coaches lose them. That, that uh, Bill Belichick will tell you, you need players. You need good players if you want to win. You need players. Coaching is important, but you need players. But I got to tell you, that was a little geek out moment right there. The coaching of the Kansas City Chiefs and what they did, especially in the red zone, especially inside the 10-yard line in particular with that fake buzz motion, whatever you want to call it. That yeah. Turn motion to me that scored two times. They knew exactly what they were doing, and they knew what the Eagles were going to do at that. Right, that, that it was was, great. And that, that made a difference, though. Coaching and let me tell you, you talk about you talk about players, right? I, and I don't know if anybody else caught it, but it was the second touchdown they were about to go in for down there when they ran the similar play. Pat Mahomes, right? One of the greats to play the game. Probably will go down to maybe the top five quarterbacks, right? He's on that trajectory. Yep. And we know how smart and intelligent this dude is. He looks he looks the wrong way to call in motion. And he was like, come in motion. But he's looking the wrong way. I'm like, he know. And then he looked the other way and told the dude to come in motion. And then he flew, and then they, and then they faked it out. Like, I'm like, this dude is taking his acting and just the game, the, the game to another level. Like, who – Never in my mind when I think Pat Mahomes didn't know who was going in motion, but he was trying to throw them off. So it was just kind of cool to see the game within the game, and it was just a fun game throughout. I mean, very competitive, as we all saw. Um, And then at the end of the day, it came down to the defense turnovers, right? We talked about uh, my man Nick Bolton, but did a big special teams return, getting the ball down to the five-yard line, right? That was the difference. Those two plays right there were the difference from the Eagles winning or losing at the end of the day. Yeah, well, and they had the play the Chiefs did too, where Juju was was kind of acting like he didn't know what was going on, and then all of a sudden he knew exactly what was going on. So it was just a, a master class by the Chiefs. Zo, before we let you go, Jalen Hurts and, and he talked after the game about the fumble. Obviously, that you're talking about the Bolden ran back, but other yep. than that, Jalen Hurts had a pretty impressive game for that being his first Super Bowl appearance. Man, yeah, I don't, I don't think he surprised anybody. That's who he is. I mean, he showed up and showed out. Uh, at every moment this season. Um, when you talk to people that have been around him from college um, up until this time in his career, he, he's all ball serious, and he's, he's going to continue to grow, and he has the mindset, right? He, most guys have to develop that. Some guys have it, and he's just one of those guys that have been in big moments, has been able to develop that mindset where the moment doesn't become too big and is able to execute. And, and, and things happen in games, but he bounced back from that, right? He didn't shrink in the moment. A lot of guys would fall apart. Teams would fall apart. They regathered themselves, was up for most of the game after yep. that. And then, you know, Kansas City and Pat Mahomes happened. 
Just absolutely awesome right there. Any other things you want to say um, before we let you go, Zoe? No, this is a great game, man. Hopefully they bring another one back. I heard the morning show talking about it. We may not get another one. This, I mean, this city is built for this these type of uh, events, and uh, hopefully another one comes back here soon because it was fun to be, be at home, sleep in my own bed, and not have to be in a hotel all week. <laughs> well, yeah, and every Super Bowl here ends up being amazing. Yesterday was yeah. fantastic, and it was probably the third best of the three in State Farm Stadium. That's, that's how high the bar has been set. Zoe, we appreciate the time, man. Enjoy your, I guess, kind of day off, even though you've already worked out, so like half day off. Yeah, I had, to, I had to work off last week. It was a, it was a non-negotiable. But all right, I get what you got. <laughs> all right, man. Thanks, Thank you, so. Love you, bro. Talk to you later. Later. All right, that's Lorenzo Alexander joining us on the Arizona Sports Line right there. Text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. All right, we come back. The Cardinals still need a coach. They're supposed to announce one early this week, and they got a new guy they're interviewing today. So where does the coaching search stand? We'll kind of recap and reset everything next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports the local sports leader. Arizona Sports. Cardinals head coaching search. Update. 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 All right. Well, here we are. Uh, Let's see. (laughs) How how long has it been, Wolf, since Cliff Kingsbury was let go by the Cardinals? One, two, three, four. Is it five weeks? I think it was five weeks ago today. Uh, Super Bowl's done. And the Cardinals still need a coach. The Colts still need a coach. It really sounds like the Colts are zeroing in on theirs uh, maybe as soon as today. In fact, maybe they've done it in the last 10 minutes. I don't know. But um, for the Cardinals now, all the focus, if it wasn't already on finding a coach, has to be on, on getting a coach. And there is a new name in the mix. And that name is Jonathan Gannon. Here is Ian Rappaport today. Michael Bidwell, the owner, saying they hit pause a little bit so as not to take some shine away from the Super Bowl, but that is not the only reason. Sources say the Cardinals are expected to interview Eagles defensive coordinator Jonathan Gannon. That is expected to happen on Monday. There's been a little whispers about this. has been mostly under the radar, but now it is clear they are expected to request permission. That interview is going to happen on Monday. The team will go home. He will stay here. He's considered to be guys a top target for the Arizona Cardinals, of course, they did second interviews this week with Lou Anarumo, really impressive. The Bengals defensive coordinator, Mike Kopka, the Giants OC, that was on Tuesday. The Eagles are going to try to keep him. No guarantee this happens or that he gets it, but an important interview. Man, yeah, there's no doubt. Listen, I'm as frustrated as anybody else right now, but it's taken it's taken a, a little bit longer than what I thought it was going to take, but I just want my Big Red to get it right in the end. And unfortunately, getting it right in the end means casting this net far and wide indeed. And not only that, we're not going to know based on what it means for a couple of years. That's, 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 that's the it. most yep. that is the most um unfortunate thing about it. We're just not going to know whether it's going to be the right hire or not for a couple of years. That's what I've had to sort of reason out in my mind. Uh, To me, Dan Quinn would have been a home run. Uh, Sean Payton obviously would have been a grand slam. Brian Flores, I think, would have been really intriguing, and you feel good about it. Anybody else at this point... You're just going to have to take a wait-and-see approach. There's no way the Cardinals can hire any of these guys and expect everybody to be fired up next week. Oh, we got Mike Kafka. Oh, we got Jonathan Gannon. Oh, we got Lou Anarumo. Doesn't mean that 
they might not get it right in the end, but there's you just you can't realistically expect your fan base to be fired up for another first year head coach. You can't. Now that's not ultimately no. what matters. Winning the offseason means nothing. Winning actual games and developing your quarterback is what ultimately matters. Gannon is intriguing. Uh, the Eagles defense this season gave up seventeen point three points per game. Third best in the NFL. And in terms of yards per game, they were second best in the NFL. Yesterday probably wasn't Jonathan Cannon's best day. It certainly wasn't the Eagles' defense best day. But you don't play Patrick Mahomes every week. So where do you begin on this right now? The Arizona Cardinals coaching search. There are so many names floating around out there. First of all, I thought it was reduced to two. Now, I, I don't know if the Arizona Cardinals ever said they had two finalists. I don't know if that ever happened. But right now, we know that the Jonathan, Jonathan Gannon makes three. <laughs> okay, so all of a sudden, uh, the it is expanding right now. So that, that kind of was different for me. I, I thought maybe two. Tuesday, yeah, they'll take Monday, let everyone, let the dust settle from Super Bowl 57 being here, right here in the basin, of course, and everyone talking about the Super Bowl on Monday. Tuesday is the day that they said, or at least it was reported, they were going to announce on Tuesday, and now Jonathan Gannon is thrown into it. And why not? Of course, it makes sense. But it's not just that. It's also the Eric Bieniemy situation. Yeah, another know, plot twist. Again, I just want to stay at 30,000 feet right now and not get into it. But Eric Bieniemy is rumored to actually have a shot of being the Arizona Cardinals offensive coordinator because the Kansas City Chiefs, are, are they've, they're going to let his contract expire. I, I mean, this is what is going on, the reports that are out there right now, and uh, you don't know which way to go on this. There's a lot of variables floating around the Arizona Cardinals coaching search right now, and it just seems like hopefully we'll get some clarity later on today or even tomorrow. The Eric Bieniemy thing, it's, it's the biggest mystery to me. Oh. His contract's going to expire. What? 18 hours ago, he was winning the Super Bowl yes. again. And I was talking to you about I know we're going to get deeper into the enemy later on in the show, but like before the show, I was talking about this. Okay, how how is it that the Chiefs are really good, and so Doug Peterson moves on, and he's a head coach, and he's a head coach in a couple places. Okay, Matt Nagy moves on. and Okay, even this even this offseason, well, Mike Kafka, he's amazing. Look what he did with Patrick Mahomes. Well, what about Eric Bieniemy? Oh, he doesn't call the plays. Yeah. Okay, well, did Mike Kafka? Yeah. Like, what, what? Why is there always this separation? We can get more into that, but if you're telling me Eric Bieniemy could be the offensive coordinator with one of these other guys as the head coach, that is the most intriguing option <laughs> left to me, for sure. And I wonder if Bieniemy's like, look, I'm never going to get a job winning Super Bowls every year here, guys. You have to let me go somewhere else. Yeah, and that's a great observation by you, Luke, right there, because that's what I think it is. Eric Bieniemy has got to get out from under the shadow. All he's doing Andy is winning Reed. Super Bowls and going there every right, exactly. Year. But again, it's Andy Reid everyone looks to. Yeah. Everyone looks at Andy Reid and says, that's the reason why. It's Andy Reid and Pat Mahomes. Just like it was Billichak and Brady. Just like it was Lombardi. I, you know, I, I, it's just, and Bart Starr, throw in Bart Starr. It's just, it's always been that situation. And it's Andy Reid and Pat Mahomes. I honestly think, I don't think that Eric Bieniemy interviews very well. 
I don't. And I also, this is just me too. I also wonder, like, if his 5'7 stature has anything to do with it as well. Like, because once again, there are many, many people that believe you've got to be the dog in the room. You have to be the alpha in the room. You got to be that guy. And I'm not saying that Eric Bieniemy cannot be that guy. But sometimes when you are 5'7, it's a little. Isn't that right, Paul Calvisi? <laughs> I'll take that. A roundabout way to take a shot at Paulie. Here's- I'm, I'm just saying, it, it's one of those things you have to consider. I think he needs to get out from underneath Andy Reid and get the opportunity to go out and show people he can win and win with another quarterback somewhere else. And when that happens, I think he'll get the shots. Michael Bidwell on uh, Cardinals Twitter on Friday updating the coaching search. In the history of all Super Bowl, there's never been a team that's been doing a GM search, a coach search, and then hosting a Super Bowl just a few weeks later. So we've been really busy planning, but also we've got Monty as our new GM. He's been fantastic. He's been with us three and a half weeks. Everybody's working well together. You can already feel the new energy and uh, as he's restructuring things. So a lot of good stuff. So there's a lot of truth to that, and we just heard Zoe last segment be like, look, this this might be one of the best performances in terms of hosting a Super Bowl that we've ever seen. And I, I, I agree with him. I mean, I haven't been to a ton of Super Bowls, but the Cardinals did a great job hosting the Super Bowl this week, and Michael Bidwell has been one of the busiest guys in football for the last month or so. But you're also not going to get any sympathy from a fan base that's looking and saying, yeah, we don't care about the Super Bowl. We're not in it. Who's our coach? You know what I mean? So it sure. just it goes back to what we were saying earlier of you got to get this right. I mean, at the end of the day, you got to get it right. And you just got to know that your fans are going to be excited in the sense that there's a new coach. And a lot of fans didn't want Cliff here. So those fans should be happy anyway. But you're not going to get this like, hey, we got Sean Payton. Hey, we got Dan Quinn. It is going to be a wait and see approach from the yes. fan base. Honestly, as it should be, because you're hiring somebody who has less experience experience today than Cliff Kingsbury does. Yes. I've said my piece. If, in fact, you hire who we think you're going to hire. Boy, any of these guys. That's what I mean. Yeah. Right? Uh, yeah. I mean, well, I think Luana Rumo, uh, look, as a head coach, yeah, I understand yeah. that. But he's been around. He's been around. But he's been I around. Just, yeah. Just would have liked somebody who's been a head coach in an NFL game yeah. before, but it's we'll figured out. Uh, we come back. Let's talk some Suns. We haven't even got to talk Suns yet. I haven't even got to say the words Kevin Durant on the show yet. JT, oh, now baby. I feel better. <laughs> How exactly did the Suns manage to pull off what some people are calling maybe the biggest trade in NBA history? You're going to hear what the Suns general manager, James Jones, had to say next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Well, there's a lot to get into with the Phoenix Suns. Um, we'll get into the Mikel Bridges angle. Watching him play for another team over the weekend was weird. The Suns off tonight. Nice win over Indiana on Friday. Play Sacramento tomorrow, play the Clippers on Thursday, then they hit the All-Star break. Wolf, it sounds like, and it has kind of sounded this way since the, the trade happened, KD's not playing until after the All-Star break. Their first game coming out of the All-Star break, and there's no guarantee he's playing in that one, but their first one is against Oklahoma City. 
Ooh, <laughs> you really couldn't draw that up any is. better. Yeah. Is that what? Yeah. Okay. And then Milwaukee after that. So okay. I'll take them for is either or both of those. That's at Footprint Center. The Oklahoma not? City one yes. is, is uh-huh. at Footprint Center. Yeah. Well, well, well. Let's get him back for that one. He gets to play the team that drafted him, even though they were Seattle at that point. And then you can run him out there on February 26th in Milwaukee and just give the Bucks a preview of what they might be dealing with later it's on in the playoffs. Kind of cool because I don't know about you, but we're staggering around the Wolf League compound, of course, after Super Bowl week, just staggering around. It, it's and it's not because of what you're thinking, right, ladies and gentlemen. It's just because you're exhausted after Super Bowl week. I think we all understand that. Um, you got a lot of things that maybe you were coordinating, and maybe your week was a little bit rough. And suddenly, there we are. We're staggering around. Me and Vetter James, and of course my son. You know, every now and then we'll look at each other and go, "We got KD." <laughs> we got KD. I still have to um, like and, and let it sink listen, in. Listen, you have to understand, Basin Ornings, I didn't want Kevin Durant. I did not want Kevin Durant coming out of the summer, uh, getting ready to go into the season. It was because of the respect that I had for the culture of the Phoenix Suns, the team of the Phoenix Suns, who they were. I thought they deserved one more shot to have at it. Now, the injuries made it it. It made it a very difficult situation. It clouded the situation for the Suns. But still, I think we all agree there was something missing from the Phoenix Suns from the year before. Well, there was something different. It became and because of that, I said, you know what? They need to make a change. It became clear uh, on Friday. James Jones is on with Burns and Gambo. And, and a couple of the stories over the weekend, ESPN Zach Lowe had a really good piece on Kevin Durant, what that trade does potentially for the Suns, some of the other moves in the Western Conference. He had a good really good piece on ESPN, I think it was on Friday, just kind of resetting where everything is and how this could absolutely burn the Suns, but it's a trade you have to make, and and all the other teams around the league are jealous that they couldn't make the trade, basically. But James Jones on with uh, Burns and Gambo on Friday essentially validated what you just said of something wasn't quite the same this year. Now, he didn't say that, but he flat out said that if they didn't have the uh, the Kevin Durant trade, they were going to do something else. They asked him, okay, what was the plan if KD did not end up actually being available? We consider a lot of things, and I'll say this is the one that we zeroed in on, but uh, I won't get into specifics, but we had a multitude of, of options that we were would have explored, but you know, we wouldn't have been the same. We wouldn't have stood that, like, that wasn't the plan or is never the plan. Um, only if all those things fall through, but I was fairly confident we would do something. There's a lot of reports over the weekend. John Collins would have been the guy they went out and got. Nothing yeah. against John Collins. He's not Kevin Durant, obviously. But that 20-second bite right there, to me, sort of dismisses any possibility of, well, what if they had just run it back? It doesn't sound like they were going to run it back. Almost no matter what. It sounds like they had decided they were going to change things up this year. Now, it doesn't mean trade Mikel Bridges, but it sounds like they were going to try and get a John Collins or an OG Ananobi or whoever if they couldn't get Kevin Durant. But they got Kevin Durant. And now all of a sudden, the Phoenix Suns, again, it's so odd to actually hear NBA analysts, hardcore guys, guys that I respect, have a ton of respect for, actually saying the Phoenix Suns right now are my favorite in the Western Conference. <laughs> you know, it's just, it's bam, just like that. One move, 
just like that. And I know they made some other moves, of course, but you went out and you got Kevin Durant, and now there are so many people that are talking about the pairing of Kevin Durant and Devin Booker and the power of that coming up the floor and what is it you're going to do. And, you, oh, you want to blitz Devin Booker. That, that's what you want to do right now? No, I don't think so. You might want to rethink that strategy. Oh, you want to blitz Kevin Durant. Well, you might want to rethink that strategy. You've got a facilitator in Chris Paul, and and you've got DeAndre Ayton as well. And hopefully DeAndre Ayton, man, is just going to continue to look around and say, you know what, today I'm going to get a little bit better. Today I'm going to get better. Today, I, I, I don't know if he'll ever fully understand what he's capable of. <laughs> but you know what, DA, just... Um, <laughs> Give me your best. This month? Give me your best. The month February, six games. And he had one. He had the game the day after the trade. I guess it was technically the day of the trade deadline, but the day after the trade where he had the two rebounds, which I would assume is never going to happen again. But even with that mixed in there, Wolf, he's averaging over 24 points and 10.5 rebounds per game this month. Like We have seen him play some of his best basketball this season in the last, like, four of the last five games, three yeah. of the last four yep. games, let's say. And it's weird because... The pressure, in some ways, is really off him. It's not like you're asking him to be. You're not going to be. You kind of are right now. But when everybody's healthy, you're not going to. We got to get thirty from you every night. Like no, you, you just be great at what we're asking you to do. Um, now I don't know where this all goes if, if if he isn't great at what they're asking him to do, and this team doesn't go far enough. That's a different conversation for a different day. But uh, traditionally, when you have these teams that form a big three, it's three guys that got together in the offseason and are like, hey, let's all go be free agents somewhere, or let's one of us force a trade somewhere, and you just have those three guys. What makes the Suns different from a lot of those teams is they also have DeAndre Ayton. It's not really a big three, right? I mean, yeah. on any given night, it could be a big four. Yes. That's, that's, that's a huge difference maker. And that's but- the other part that goes with it, too, schematically. When you think about it, when you hear these analysts talking about the in and the out, the in and the out. I don't know how you defend them when they're all healthy. Exactly right. And now DA's going to get a, an opportunity to get that ball in the paint. And, and you know, what, what I just said right there, I don't know how you defend them if they're all healthy. It might be that simple. You might not be able to defend them when they're all healthy. Like we're going to sit here and, and you know nothing is given, nothing's guaranteed. You can't sure. guarantee these guys' health. Obviously, on the court, you can't guarantee even if they are all healthy that they're going to win the title. I get all that, but this is the sort of team that it's at least possible we might look back in a few months and be like, why were we even worried? There's no way to cover a team that has Devin Booker, Kevin Durant, DeAndre Ayton, <laughs> with Chris Paul distributing them. Like we may look back and they're heading to the NBA Finals and be like, yeah, you can't cover this team. Um, that's at least a possibility. Here's more from James Jones on with Burns and Gambo on Friday talking about how quickly the trade came together. It came together really, really quickly. Um, I would say it was a couple days before um, we actually made the deal. Um, we connected on, on multiple things, but, you know, it was the subject of KD potentially, you know, being in Phoenix um, was something that he wanted to pursue and something that the Nets were open to discussing. And so we started having conversation and they went really, really quickly. Wow. Okay, right there. Something that he was open to, of course, and that KD was still like, okay, this is going to be good. We're going to go out there with Devin Booker for all the things we just said. He was thinking the same thing. I Look at um, one of the reasons why I didn't want Kevin Durant as well. I, I feel like I have to, in all honesty and fairness, I, I've got to come back to where I was on this and let you know, Basin Onions, how it's changed for me. But 
Kevin Durant, again, it seems like there's been drama wherever Kevin Durant has gone. And I'm not big on drama. Can I tell you that right now? I am not. I'm not big on it. Go out and do your job. That's all I want from you. Personally, professionally, I'll go out. I'll give you everything I've got. Sometimes it's going to be good enough. Sometimes it won't be good enough. Now, KD, if you give us everything you've got right there and do your job, it's going to be good enough. That much I will promise you right now. But there there are some guys in the locker room that, for whatever reason, don't necessarily feel comfortable unless there's a little bit of drama going on. And that 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 is something that I've seen firsthand, something I've experienced in that locker room. Why am I talking like Mike Hazen? Is I'm interesting? Um, but I've seen it myself up close and personal. And it is so so much of a distraction to his teammates when that happens. Hopefully, maybe there was a lot of drama going on around Kevin Durant, especially in Brooklyn. Where James Harden, of course, and Kyrie Irving, that threesome right there, maybe that was one of the reasons why there was a lot of that, or at least a perception of drama surrounding him. Yeah, I just, I I don't, I know he gets into it with people on Twitter. I get that. Um, (laughs) And (laughs) if I were his friend, I might be like, hey, KD, maybe don't respond. I just, I've never, and maybe I'm alone in this or in the minority on it, but I I just, I've never looked at Kevin Durant as, as a drama guy or somebody that seeks out drama. Now he was on a team with Draymond Green and he was on a team with Kyrie Irving. Um, Drama is going to follow you in in those cases for sure. And I don't know that he's great at putting out drama as I guess maybe the way I would say it. But when you put him with Steph Curry or you put him with Devin Booker, I don't, I don't think there's going to be an issue. I, I think, like, Durant is one of the few all-time greats that could come to this team and be like, yeah, this is Booker's team. Yeah. I'm fine with that. Cause, yeah. And you know how I know that, Wolf? Because we saw him do it with Golden State already. You're right. But at times, on those Golden State teams, he was the best player on the floor. But it, he knew it was Steph's team, and that was fine. Yeah. So we'll see. We got, it wasn't I mean, Steph. It was Draymond. Well, yeah. Dray- <laughs> I mean, Draymond's still drama. I just ask uh, Jordan Poole, right? Uh, all right. When we come back, are the Chiefs the team of this generation after another Super Bowl win? They sure seem to be right there every single year. And what exactly did that do for Patrick Mahomes and his, uh, his place in NFL history already? It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.